in my heart of hearts, like my, or in my mind and heart of the thing, like my dad loved me more than anything. He always has, but I didn't know those things. So it's like the moral of the story is just like, as a dad, like just make it known. Like you're not too masculine to say like, I'm proud of my child or you're, or even when you've screwed up being like, it's okay. Like we'll get through these things. You're listening to the Birdie Dad podcast. They can't make a birdie, but they can dad. And now your hosts, Jared, Brian, and Trevor. I'm Jared. With me today are my co-hosts, Brian and Trevor. And this week on the podcast, we're joined by professional golfer and golf content creator, Andrew Jensen. Andrew, welcome to the show. And by the way, I am wearing socks with sandals right now, true to being being a cheesy dad. How are you, my friend? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Yeah, no, no socks and sandals here, just bare feet. <laughs> and Brian and Trevor, how are you guys this morning? Great. Yeah, thanks for having us, Jared. Doing good. A little bit cold this time of year, but trying to warm up a little bit as we get in the morning. Andrew, I've been watching, did you shoot 59 this week? Yeah, that video went up. So I, I guess I did it the week before that. It went up on Monday. Yeah, finally done. Finally done. How many attempts were you looking at? How long were you trying to shoot 59? It was 10. And it was like, it turned into a, like, it, it, I don't know, it kind of took a life of its own. Cause I think I made the first video shoot maybe in like May. I think I did it just as like, oh, I, I, this will be a fun little thing to do. Cause I, I think we had a bunch of us, different channels had done like the front tee. And I was like, oh, this would be kind of cool. 6,000 yards. And like video one didn't really, it just kind of did like any other video, but it was more like, Hey, this is just a drill I do, right? Like it's something you can do and like set a record, set it like a benchmark. And then I think it was three where I shot 60. And then all of a sudden it's like the video kind of, or the series, I should say, like took a life of its own. And a lot of people like really were invested in it. And it, it was interesting cause it was cool. Cause it was like, it was pushing and motivating people. And then some people taking it way too seriously, like thinking <laughs> like, oh, it's a course record. This isn't real. And it's like, it's it's YouTube. It's it's a <laughs> drill I'm doing that has turned into like a lot of people invested into it. And obviously you always have people that are, it's the internet. There's people that are critical. And then this one, finally, a few people came out of the woodwork with like theories about how I cheat to make these videos happen. And it's like, oh, wow. Oh. crazy cool like uh, whatever you know what i mean like it, the video it, it's not about me going oh look what i did it was it started as let's let's just this, this is a drill this a lot of people do games like this just to like feel making birdies and i'm glad it's over because i don't have to make a video that like looks like it's just <laughs> me going hey look what i shot because it's 59 from 6,000 yards on YouTube. Right. It's not like, oh my gosh, this, I don't, I won't tell anyone like if what's your lowest score, it's not 59. Like that's not a real golf course in my opinion, but I digress. <laughs> yeah. I'm an average golfer. And for many weekend golfers, 59 would be a score maybe for the front nine for them. Yeah. What are you those doing? Comments. Yeah. What are you and I doing differently? I mean, at the end of the day, like again, I played full-time for, I mean, I've played golf my whole life, but I played full-time for 10 years until I broke my arm. So it's like just a different understanding of the game. And also like playing my home course, I know exactly where to hit it and where to miss it. And our greens have been great this year. And if I'm getting fortunate enough to have like smooth greens, it's, it's very like not to sound boastful. Like it's, it's easy to make pots. 
Like that's one thing you'll see a lot of professional golfers, like give them smooth, fast greens. Cause all you have to do is hit your line. And that's what we practice for thousands of hours over the years is just like starting your golf ball in line. So I think that's kind of where it comes down to, but it just, it's, it's a nature of the practice. I've spent thousands of hours of my life practicing wedges and putter and the 59 is it, it was that like I didn't drive it very well, but it was wedges and putters. But then you look at some of the other videos where I didn't wedge it very well, part of very well, but you hit your irons close like David Duvall when he shot 59. He literally just flagged everything. So it's like the difference is just experience. I think experience, comfort than, and more than anything. And yeah, being on your own course is like it's a lot. It's a lot easier <laughs> than going to a <laughs> random new golf course like we there's a course um, about an hour from Jacksonville called Palatka. It's a Donald Ross course from 1925. It hasn't been touched. Like it's not in great shape. It's $20 to play, but they play the Azalea amateur there in, in April. So they get it ready for that. And when that's on, like the greens are 11, the course is perfect, but it's 6,000 yards. Like it's super short. The greens are as big as like your living room. Like they're tiny. <laughs> and I just, we played a couple pro versus junior matches and you play great. And you, you like kind of add your score up and then you're like, shit, I, I shot even like, it's just hard Cause you're like, Oh, I hit 10 greens today. Cause the greens are tiny. So it's like there's 6,000 yards. And then there's 6,000 yards of my home track where you can get away with a lot of bad tee shots and then just wedge it close and the putts go in or they don't kind of thing. Yeah. Andrew, I enjoyed watching that, that, that 59 round of yours. Thanks. I mean, you're right. Like a couple of those drives, you know, they weren't perfect, but you were scrambling like crazy just, you know, with your wedge game. And it was pretty impressive to watch. And I also noticed you kind of posted your heart rate was at 130 coming yeah. on uh, 16, right? So um, I'm gl- I was glad to see that as a, as a weekend golfer that you know you as a pro kind of gets gets uh, amped up too. So uh, explain well, it, that kind of coming home that that 16, 17, 18 for you. Well, it's kind of funny because when I was doing it, like the the tee shot I hit on 16, 17, 18, I hit it okay. I just kind of thinned it, but like the way I felt over those balls you can tell I don't compete anymore basically because when I was competing full-time like obviously you're in situations you have you have tee shots you don't like or it's to make a cut or it's to win a tournament or whatever and like your head you start thinking like you think golf swing you think where not to hit it like we're human beings it doesn't matter like the level of golf you're at like you still can look at a wide open fairway and be like man look at the water that's a hundred yards right and like you you can still do that um and I think it was just like, I was kind of, I was just like, yeah, I just started thinking a little bit, not necessarily about the score or anything, but just more, I think it was more like, fuck, finally I can finish this video series. Like, I think yeah. that's why I was a little nervous towards like on the tee shots coming in. Cause I'm, I'm so over making those videos, like waking up that early in the morning to, cause it's the only time I could really have that ability like i tried in the afternoon a couple times one made a video but then there was two other times where i'd like teed off in the afternoon and the pace was just so slow like there was one where i was seven under through nine but i had i couldn't play 18 because i had to go and do something so it's like it was the nature of the beast waking up that early and yeah the nerves were more just get it over with but then at the same token i'm like if i just have a the way that 16 17 18 play just give me a wedge and the way the way that I was feeling was like just give me a wedge and like give me anything inside 15 I felt like I was just gonna make it and those like walk-ins were just obviously a bit for the video but it's like that's how I felt like I was like I was feeling it because it was more the excitement of just getting it over with 
Because yeah. the flip side, the video before, I think I was, I think I was nine under through with four to play. So I would have had to birdie in. Mm-hmm. And I like, I, I like got frustrated because I hit and I hit some bad putts. And it's like the difference of the mental side of it. Like I was just like, got ahead of myself of like, good, I can finally finish this video. Literally the score has no bearing on anything. Like that's the funny <laughs> yeah. thing. And some people kind of get caught up or like, I've been asked like, do you analyze those rounds or that? And it's like, no, not at all. Like I just play it and edit it and it's over. Like, which is actually a great like insight into how to get you the best out of your golf game. Like, don't think about it. Just go play. So what'd you go do to celebrate afterwards? If, if you're so <laughs> edit, relieved, dude. <laughs> I edited the video. Like I did nothing to celebrate. There's, there's not like, there really isn't anything to celebrate. It was like, I'm going to edit the video and I wanted to just kind of make sure that the edit was really good. Cause obviously the con like the culmination, the crescendo, and then the title and all that, like you're going to get more, like I knew it would do better than most other, of the 59 watch videos in like a day kind of thing. So it's like, I want to make, I want to make the edit really good. Like how could I make the edit just that much better and, and just a really good, um, insight into what my videos look like basically so it was like all right let's and that's for me that's the fun bit the golf was the editing is way more fun than the golf like i like the creative side of it is really why i love doing youtube so the celebration was like let's just make a killer edit and the idea that i had for like a t-shirt can finally like cool it can kind of do something special for the people that have been super invested into it and it's cool to see people like that were and that like they have a little thing to remember this this year by but like the celebration is never doing anything like that again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> did those sh- shirts? Oh, sorry, Jared. I was gonna say, did those shirts go off 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 the shelves quick? The um, shirts. Yeah, about about halfway. Again, okay. there's some people who are like criticizing that, like, oh, it's see, he knew he was gonna do it. He had a t-shirt ready, and you're like, <laughs> yeah, dude, yeah. I've had a t-shirt sitting ready for months. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just a matter of time, basically. Um, but it, and again, what's it was next cool. for YouTube? What's, what are you going to do for your next challenge or your next video series? Honestly, I'm taking a break. Like I've got a video coming up today that was, is like a top 10 shots of the year, which was kind of fun to sit and like, look back at some of the things that happened with, with different people on the channel. And then I'm, I'm taking a break until probably late into January. Like I just, I, I do need to take a break from all of this and like, the, the problem or the thing that I struggle with with YouTube is because it's it, I treat it much like my playing career. Like I put a lot of effort into it. I, I really it's hard to not think about the results just like when you're playing full time. But it's like, OK, being creative is, is very similar to being competitive and it drains you. So if you've been, you know, let's say a year of playing and it wasn't a great year or it's a hit or miss year, or it ends pretty poorly or ends on a high, like you want to relax basically and like reset, like reshift. And I, you think of a lot of PGA tour players who kind of enjoy their off season. They sit down with their team and they like, okay, what are we going to do next year? What's the schedule look like? What are we going to work on? And all of those things. And that's kind of how, since YouTube has been a full-time gig as of like midway through 2019, that's kind of what I've had to do in the off season, create my own off season, if you will. But it's like, Take a break. January is the worst month on YouTube anyways. So it's like, it's not a bad idea to take a break in January. Like AdSense and all of that stuff is just like it, it making killer videos in January kind of is, is not a good idea basically. 
because it's like to make some more golf comparisons it's like playing your best golf in the fall season you'd rather play it in the majors type of thing so it's just it's one of those things november december the best months on youtube obviously it's the holidays commercialism at its finest right january is the very bottom of that dip so it's like take a break have a lot of cool like things i want to do um but it's just a matter of like making them happen obviously i want to travel more and like do stuff with different channels had a lot of plans last year or this 2020 to um go to the uk and film with some channels over there obviously that didn't happen (laughs) so i mean at some point maybe do that and i mean i'd be lying if i didn't say i want to compete still the odd time but like i said earlier like even just doing that 59 the final video it opened my eyes to like i'm not ready to compete because i don't play enough golf like literally the golf i play is to film now like i don't play golf at all like i practice in my garage or i practice a little bit but it's like the only golf i play is to compete or sorry is to film now so the notion of trying to compete i'm not an idiot i know that if like there's a an event here at the end of january down in in norman beach that i could drive to i I like the golf course, like a swing thought event. I'm thinking about doing it, but then I have to, then I remind myself that like to be prepared for a tournament, I need to be playing golf. Like you can be as sharp as you want on the range and in your little like practice sessions with yourself or a 59 video, for example. But if I'm not golfing, like just getting the feel of a four hour round, four and a half hour round, the waiting and all that, I'm not ready for a tournament. And like, that's where 50, 59 watch those videos, like those rounds took me two hours and 15 minutes. Like it's, it's so dip. It's literally a practice session. Like it's the ultimate flow of like, not even thinking and just going, there's nothing in golf that compare that is like that basically. So it's a bit of a misnomer to think that that's a reflection of what you could do in a real round of golf because it's apples to oranges really. Take it to your junior golf now. You're you're battling juniors. Are you yeah. working those lessons with them when you're you're sitting out there playing one on one? A little bit. Like the pro versus junior series. Like again, that's just something that kind of came from hanging out with these kids because they work with Dan, my coach, and they're always at the golf course. And like, hey, and then after about two or three of them, I had college coaches reach out to me to try to learn more about these kids. So it made me realize like, oh man, this is an awesome opportunity to, to give these kids something that it's hard to get basically. And because the videos can show their game a bit, but it shows their what they're like. It shows their personalities. It shows their attitudes in a little, in a little bit. And that's what college golf coaches care about. Those kind of three things. And again, get comments that people are like, oh, you just want to beat kids. Like, <laughs> no, no, I don't. I don't. I couldn't care less. But people don't see that like these videos are like are do are something like it's giving back basically. And like that's kind of what I've always wanted to do with YouTube. So these kids are getting interest from a college or getting able to send these videos to coaches. Like how cool is that? I didn't have that opportunity when I was a teenager. So if these kids win, lose or draw, you know, get to send a video and especially like there's one that kind of went viral and it's got like nearly 80,000 views like that's a bit of clout for a coach to see that I would I would think I could be wrong but I'm not a college coach but I have friends who like former tour players who I toured with who are college coaches now and once these kids find that out they're like oh can you uh, send the video to to these guys and but that thing that series is going to continue but it's going to change just a little bit 
because I like, you know, you get comments when when matches are halved like, well, that kind of sucked. So it's like, OK, like the, the pro versus junior is moving into like these eight kids doing like a best of three. So including season one, if you will, like whatever we did and then taking that to finish out a series and like the series has to have a winner. So if we're if we're tied through three matches, we're going sudden death. And if a kid wins, I'll give him a hundred bucks, like just something. And so I filmed a couple of them, like I said earlier at black and I told the kids that and like, I'm, I'm hanging around with these kids all the time. I'm 20 years older than them. And it's like <laughs> hundred bucks. Oh, I'm going to buy a manscaped lawnmower. And I'm like, dude, I could just, we could make yeah. that the prize. Like I'm <laughs> these 16 year olds want ball trimmers. If they beat me, <laughs> it's like it's so good, but it, it's cool because we they work with my swing coach or we work with the same coach i should say so lessons and mentoring it, it's just something that like yeah i get to spend time with these guys in, in a relaxed environment and if they want to ask me questions and if they respect my my experience or not I, I, it's, it's kind of irrelevant but i'm just there if they want to talk to me about certain things and just kind of learn by watching or by asking like a, a thousand percent like that's one of the beauties of having a shitty professional career as my background. Like golfers still respect it, I guess, which is kind of like, which is really, really cool. Like whatever big or small, I think of you and Porter quite a bit, who is doing the same thing in Australia. Like he's created a whole junior series and you and one on the, on the corn ferry twice. And it's like, he's getting to just help and, and, the, the cliche of give back to the game or grow the game, whatever you will, like you're genuinely getting to do that. And it's, it's something that didn't exist when we were teenagers. So it's like, why the hell not? And those little moments obviously silence every little internet Reddit user that thinks you're X, Y, Z to criticize you. Right. But it's just like, that's what you kind of remind yourself. Like, behind the scenes there's just a lot of cool opportunities that have happened because of youtube and because of this awesome game so let's just keep doing that and like that pushes and fuels but it needs to evolve it can't just be the same thing over and over again because that's boring like it's i'm uh, it's boring to make it and i think it's probably boring to watch it so it's like let's how do we keep the videos progressing and keep them creative and tell a good story and all of those things. And I realized like this year it was just playing golf on YouTube is like I said, it's really boring. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, so it's like, how do I tap into what I used to do on YouTube where it was like telling stories of, of traveling and playing. I don't really do that anymore. So it's like, what can, what stories can we tell in the game of golf? So like, that's kind of, that's the giant question mark for the future of the channel. Like, Okay, what stories can we tell? Where's my space? Where do I fit in in the game of golf, in golf and YouTube? Okay, where like fill in that blank and then like let's start doing that kind of thing. So it's a giant question. So these these weeks off aren't really going to be weeks off. They're just going to be like a lot of work brainstorming and and filming and editing and trying to just come out fresh like in the new season, if you will. That's awesome. I think I think one of the biggest barriers to getting kids into golf is just access. So I think it's yeah. great, great what you're doing and and, and give, getting some you know some fun publicity around you know YouTube channels things like that. That's where the the kids are, and so so they'll get interested in golf. So I think that's good. Um, well, and I think like not to 
I'm, I grew up in the game of golf with a, a club professional for a father. So like I grew up around the kind of more proper side, if you will, like uh, fully understanding etiquette and all of these things. And it's hard for me to break from that. So I see other YouTube channels where it's kind of like goofing off and kids are watching it and enjoying it. I'm a bit of like a stickler. Like I think it's fun. It's entertaining, but it's a bad example because you have a YouTube channel with hundreds of thousands of subscribers and they're going out to a great golf course, like a Pinehurst and they're fucking around on the putting green. They can do that. But then if like we try to bring our kids out, for example, and they go do that, they're going to get in trouble and they're going to be told to tuck their shirts in or all of these things. So it's like, there's a bit of a disconnect and I'm from that school like the more traditional school, even though I untuck my shirt and all of these things, <laughs> but I don't want to like, cause that's not me. So me doing stupid challenges and goofing around, it's just not me and it doesn't work. So mm-hmm. it's like, that's the entertainment that I can't promote because I, I, I don't believe in it, I guess. And there, there's like a difference between kind of act like that. Like you said, access, mm-hmm. what kind of access are you giving when a kid's going to potentially be told you can't do this and leave asked to leave and then do they ever want to go and play golf again you know like right it's it's a catch-22 yeah can you talk a little bit more about how you got into golf so you said your dad's a, a golf pro um yeah h- how, how did that go is he was he your coach did you do you have a different coach was he um, a, a good coach <laughs> my dad was is an awesome awesome coach so he was the the head professional at the at the military course back in ottawa so like i just grew up golfing like basically in, in canada in my part of canada our golf season was seven to seven months long and at that time, like a head pro, it was a sun up to sundown job from March to November because you kind of had the month before and the month after the season. So I learned pretty quickly if I wanted to be around my dad, I had to go to the golf club because I saw my dad for three months a year, essentially, like December through February. Like that's when I would see him when it was snowy and we would just watch hockey like as a young, young kid, you know, seven, eight years old. So I realized like, yeah, if I wanted to be around him, I had to golf. So I just started going to the golf club with him probably at like 10 years old, ride with him sun up to sundown and just like do what I could. He'd drive me out to the, the, you know, the 10th tee, play nine holes, hit balls, chip putt. And then I started working there at 12. So it's like, I just, I look back now, I know those things now, right? Like this was cause I wanted to be around my dad and he kind of put a club in my hand. He led me to water basically. And then when he tried to force to force me to drink, it was like, you're my dad. I don't want to listen to you. <laughs> so we would butt heads a lot about him trying to tell me maybe how to play the game or how to swing or all of those type of things or how to practice because he has two boys that are in their 50s now. So he kind of raised them in a time where it was like you listen to dad, but then he's raising me in the 90s where it's like you're learning you don't 90s and early 2000s like you know you don't have to listen to your parents like kids are learning that they they're entitled a little bit so it was more the assistant pro at the golf course who would like work on my golf swing with me but my dad was always willing to like obviously help me and give me advice but it was it was difficult because he was a great player still is a great player like he's 82 years old and he doesn't shoot above his age ever like it's he's still a great great golfer and he just had an understanding of the game. He got into it older, like in his twenties. So he just always wanted to kind of teach me course management. And I didn't never, I never wanted to listen to it. And so it, we would butt heads a lot. Like, and when I would play tournaments, if I didn't play well, it would be like, Oh shit, I'm thinking how I'm going to explain this to my dad. 
And it's one of those weird things about like, I think parenting, we don't understand like what we kind of, you know, you say to your kids, like if I won a golf tournament, if I played great, it was a well done pat on the back. Great job. Like that was it. Like the conversation was over. But if you played bad, it was a long conversation because it's like, this is a learning experience. But as a kid, you don't re- you, you can't connect those dots. So you kind of realize like, why does being bad or failing or whatever get me more attention than actually doing good in my household type thing? So it was like a really tough thing for me. And I, I mean, it's no, I've, I've, my, my personal struggles, my, my battle with depression since I was a teenager is very public. And I obviously that really played into it. Cause yeah, even the summer when I was 17, like I didn't play golf cause I had just kind of hit a wall of like, I can't do this. It's like, so, so, I mean, cause I, I tried to take my life at 16. So it's like, I'm starting to kind of really come to grips with what is going on. The phase as you were, as it were that I was going through and I didn't really play tournaments at 17. Cause I just couldn't deal with talking to my dad about it afterwards. It was just, it was too much. Cause it literally turned into out on the golf course. The minute things started going bad, I'm starting to project the conversation. And it's kind of similar to what happened when I first started the YouTube channel. Once like the first summer of the YouTube channel, no one really watched my videos, like my family and Facebook friends, basically. And if you look, you know, I lost in a playoff. I had some good tournaments in that first summer when I was just like filming because I wanted to film a video every week. And then that fall, one video kind of went viral at the time, as it were. And I went from like 300 subs to like 3,500 subs in like two days, basically. And then that, so that 2018 season, whenever I started to kind of struggle out there, I'm thinking, how am I going to tell this in the video? Like it was the exact same shit as when I was a kid. And it was like, totally get in the way of me playing well. And you, you can't say, you, you say that in a video or you talk about that and it's it, people, oh, it's an excuse. No, it's just reality. Like we all have our insecurities, right? And it's, it's funny how these things happen. And that's kind of in 2018, I think I like, had to kind of pull back from making YouTube videos again, because it was like, I'm more concerned about the result rather than just playing kind of thing. Like I created this monster if it were, and I did it in 2008 when I first turned pro, I had a blog. Like I, 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 I'm like my own worst enemy at times, basically. Like, so you're, you're playing bad. And I think you guys can probably all relate to it. It's like when things aren't in life or in, in work or in sport, when things aren't going well in that moment, we, it's, we can get so far ahead of ourselves and think about how are we going to discuss this with the people closest to us. Yeah, why do we do that? Why do we self-sabotage and tear ourselves down? Because we're we... fucking humans and we were awful. <laughs> yeah. It's so... Right. But it's because you care, I think. That's the problem. When you care about something, when you're invested in it on an emotional level, you're opening yourself up to hurt, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's no different than... Like, when I speak and I talk about mental health and I talk about vulnerability and like that whole notion of vulnerability. Vulnerability is giving someone else a loaded gun on you that they Mm. can then use what you're, you know what I mean? Yeah. But it's like, we're doing it to ourselves because you care. It's like when you care about something. So, you know, our wives, we care about our wives. We're, we're like giving them all the fire in the world to destroy us. Right. But then when we were kids, you'd give it to your dad, but your dad's never meant he's never going to do that. He doesn't mean for that. But when you're a kid, you don't realize that you think he's legitimately upset with you because you did bad. But it's like, no, he's just sad because you're you're hurt 
and doesn't want you to hurt. And then, I mean, I I wish I could say the same about a YouTube audience, but I don't know them on a personal (laughs) level. So you create this dialogue of like, man, how am I going to tell this to them? I feel like I've let them down because they're, they, they're supporting me, right? They're on this journey with me of me getting, you know, back on the McKenzie tour or whatever it were, and I'm letting them down. And it's like, it's very, very real. Yeah. And, and you talk about that. And I think you, you point out two huge things that we've discovered on the show is when parents after a round, one of the worst things is to analyze the round. Mm-hmm. And you talked about it earlier. You do it to yeah. yourself. You know, after 59, you didn't really, or when you're hitting 60, you weren't breaking it down and getting no. into it immediately afterwards. I, no, I never. Like, I would do stats for tournaments. And for example, like, I, I golfed on Christmas Eve with a couple of buddies, and I'll, I'll keep my stats while I play because we're out there, we're waiting. I'll, I'm, I'm just like being mindful of what I'm doing. But when I am filming 59 Watch, like, I'm writing down on the scorecard essentially the yardage. Cause I want it for the edit. I'm not, I don't, I couldn't even, I, I obviously I'm a golfer. I have a golf brain where I could sit and remember everything, but I couldn't tell you how many fairways, greens and putts and all that in those rounds. I could, cause it doesn't matter. <laughs> You're right. So what are you doing for mental health now to support that? Especially with junior golfers. Are you, are you, what, what are you working on? I mean, it, it's been a, obviously 2020 has been a bizarre year for, for so many things. And like, I've been, you know, uh, still a public speaker for since like 2014 or so. And I've always been like, it's, it's been a, a loose goal every year to like do five events. Like if I can travel and speak five times, it's like, you're, you're, you're flexing the muscle still, you're still maintaining the muscle. Cause it is one of those things. Like my story is always evolving. And that's one of the things I try to do when I, when I do speak, I don't want to just talk about 2011 over and over and over again. I want to talk about that and how I'm where I am now. And this year was weird. Like I, I've done a couple of virtual keynotes and I'll, I'll be doing a couple more as we progress through this. But when it comes to like junior golfers in this, like obviously the most overt thing I did was Andrew's long drive, which was 2015 and 16, where like I traveled Canada with the CJGA and did 10 clinics across the country and just did a little clinic talking about my experience and talking about, you know, how I felt when I was their age and basically saying like, it's okay to like shoot 80 to have like these these bad rounds we're talking about it's okay to hate yourself afterwards like it totally is because the next step is like it's okay to talk about it with someone because when we were kids we would think these things potentially not maybe not all of us but you would think these things and then you wouldn't tell anyone about them and then they can kind of turn into monsters and like kind of have lives of their own and and in my case, it was an actual illness. It is an illness that I have. And I didn't know that you just, you just think it's a demon, you know, like in golf, I'll, I'll battle our demons. So, I mean, there's nothing kind of over the top that I'm doing with, with junior golf. Now, I think through my Instagram and through like messages I get, it's just for every, for every dumb millennial there is that like literally just wants a free answer rather than just Googling it. There's one who Googles things. Like I legitimately got a message on Instagram today. Like, Hey, I got a question. Where are you from? <laughs> just like, that you wasn't can Google me, it. Like, Andrew, by the yeah. way, that was not me. No, no, no. But it's like, <laughs> you, you, you can just, you can just, you, you Google it. You'll say Ottawa. Like I could easily just say I'm from Ottawa, but it's like, come on. Like for every one of those, it's like, I, I get messages of, of kids or, or not even kids, like adults, golfers who have come across my videos and then, and then did a bit of the legwork and have, have looked into me rather than to see how bad my results were over my career. They just Google me and it's like, oh my gosh, like I struggle too. 
so it's like that's kind of that's where it's evolved to and like all the juniors i golf with like here they know it's easy to talk to me about anything because they're they're 16 17 years old we're driving in carts and you know they're teasing each other about getting laid or not and like i can have these conversations like listen man like it's okay if you're a virgin basically like so was i like it's not the end of the world don't let that shit kind of make you make a mistake essentially type thing it's great to be able to have these conversations about things that have value like that matter to them you know and can cause them any anything good or bad mentally so it's just i think that that speaks to the larger dialogue on mental health when you make it known that you're okay to talk about these things you know the sky is the limit because anyone can talk to you about anything now because you've said you know it's okay you've created that space and like when i started the youtube channel like i i would i documented doing events charity events speaking and that so it's like the mental health thing it's just like it's there it's part of who i am and if anyone wants to talk about it i'm, I'm so open yeah i i think the the biggest question I have for you is just, you know, as, as your experience growing up and as a young junior and golfing at an early age, um, I know you said your dad was super supportive and you kind of, mm-hmm. kind of sabotage yourself most of the time, but like, is there anything looking back that your, your parents or your dad could have done to like make you feel a little bit, I guess, um, less pressured or, you know, I guess. I mean, yeah. Looking back now, obviously there is like hindsight is a pretty strong, you know, tool we have. And I mean, at the end of the day, it seems so, so simple. But if my dad, would it have changed anything? I don't know. But if my dad, when I was a teenager, basically told me, I didn't hear it through my mom or just have to kind of figure it out, connect dots. If he said he was proud of me and like what I'm doing is okay, uh, it would have gone so far. And I, I mean, I'm not, and that's not to like to potentially say my dad never did those things. Maybe he did, but I don't remember or he ever he never did it in a way that my dad wasn't a great emoter like I can remember so so well so the the when I was 16 I won like the Ottawa junior like our our city tour basically I won the order of merit and it was like a big deal and like the the PGA the Canadian PGA like some pros were there and my dad came to the dinner like it was after the kind of tour championship and he came to the dinner and my dad is like me like he's a bit antisocial kind of keeps to himself. And I was less emotional when I was younger. Cause that's what I saw my dad be. He's very stoic. Like, again, my dad's 82 years old. He he's from a time where you're not, you're told and he's, and he's in military. Right. So he came to this event and I mean, I'll never forget it. It's crazy. It's 20 years ago. And he, he thought he was going to sit with me, but I didn't want to sit with him because I wanted to sit with the players and I, that crushed him. Like it crushed him. He left and I didn't think anything of it, right? Like he left, didn't get to see me accept this award. Like he left and I got home because I was driving that summer. I got home and like he was just like at the bar down the street. Like he couldn't even be home. And I went and I I went and saw him and he was like, he was in tears. Like he was so disappointed and sad in me. And like, I connect those dots. Like, oh, I let him down. But I didn't realize like, fuck, was he ever proud of me? And I basically said, instead of him basically saying it like no i want to be here i'm so proud of you he didn't say that so i was just like oh you don't care to be here i just want to stay with my buddies but i didn't see that you know what i mean so like and then yeah it sucks like it sucks that it took me trying to kill myself like at 27 to realize that like 
in my heart of hearts, like my, or in my mind and heart of the thing, like my dad loved me more than anything. He always has, but I didn't know those things. So it's like the moral of the story is just like, as a dad, like just make it known. Like you're not too masculine to say like, I'm proud of my child or you're, or even when you've screwed up being like, it's okay. Like we'll get through these things. But I think, and that's what my dad wanted for me for so long, even in my career, like he was trying to do those things. But I think because the groundwork was already laid of like a difficulty in, in communicating for us on emotional things, I just thought I was letting him down. So it's like he was trying to help me, but I'm just seeing it as more proof of why I'm not, I'm failing. I'm not good enough. Basically, I want to, I want to prove that I'm, I'm good enough to you, dad, basically. And I mean, lots of therapy and lots of work and would I change it? No, I wouldn't change it because it's, it's, it's shaped me to who I am now. And if, and when I'm ever a father, I know exactly what I want to do and what I don't want to do. And it's, it's our relationships fantastic now. So I, I, I say kind of anecdotally, he's 82. Well, who fucking cares? He's uh, 82. That, that like, to he's, me too. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be, it's great now. So it's like, he yeah. got to see me get married and he loves my wife probably more than me. Like, so whatever I, I did good because now he always wants to talk to us because he'd, he'd rather talk to Kelly than me. <laughs> <laughs> my dad's the same way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, you're not alone. <laughs> yeah. But that's, I mean, that, that, I think that's good on us. We did good then. Yeah. Yep, for sure. I think you bring up some my great wife, points. My yeah. wife's family probably is like, oh gosh, here comes Andrew again. <laughs> I mean, that miscommunication between dads and sons and dads and daughters is so critical. And you bring up mm-hmm. some great points, really just listening and stepping back and hearing what's going on and seeing it and, and really breaking that down. I think you gave some great tips to us. Our kids are young, so we have a long yeah. road ahead to get to those conversations, but some excellent thoughts there. Well, it's it's one of the things that like, in embracing like being I'm, I'm not a professional when it comes to depression and anxiety i'm a professional in terms of lived experience but when i took it upon myself again the way i was raised like dad raised me like if you're going to do something like work hard at it so when i got into speaking it was like i need to understand this illness and the brain and a little bit so like i did a lot of my my research about what i'm talking about because i can just tell my story over and over and over again but you want to be able to connect other parts of it. And I mean, teenagers, our brains haven't fully developed. Like it's it, the brain develops. till it's like 25 years old. So there's just certain things, certain synapses and certain things that just don't connect. But I think it's probably easy as a parent to forget those things because teenagers, as you guys will soon find out, and I'll probably find out one day, like are shitty Right. And you like don't want to. We were all shitty teenagers. Right. And it's like you they they want to be so mature and they want to be so old. And it's probably easy for your parent to understand that they aren't yet. And you can get frustrated and miscommunicate. So it's like it's that understanding of there are certain things that their brains do not understand yet. But they, they act like they do. So, uh, fuck, it's going to be so hard. <laughs> hey, uh, Andrew, so you do a lot of match play. We had George mm-hmm. Bryan on the show just a few yeah. weeks back. If you could take one person and you got a match play coming up, all these different guys you played with, former pros, who are you playing with? Who's your partner? Like in, like a team game? Yeah, your duos, your your two versus uh, some other two. Who are you hmm. picking? Like someone, anyone or someone on YouTube? Uh, so, someone of your YouTube guys. 
someone of the content. I creator. would say George and I. Like the okay. videos we've done together, like when we've played Scramble, like our games complement each other quite well. Yeah. So if it were like, yeah, I think we would do we would do quite well. I mean, yeah, definitely. Because I think, and we're like we've become very very good friends. So it's like you have that comfort level. Mm-hmm. Not to, like Zach Radford and I are good buds too, and like. A funny like looking back in this top 10 video i did like i'm looking back at videos i did with like the guys from golficity and like being partners like it's just it's so fun it's interesting because you're just meeting these people randomly and you're like am i gonna like them or not are they gonna like me and then you can kind of talk about those things after the fact but george and i like i think experience wise our experience playing is very very similar so we can kind of we can handle those things and then when we've played together and filmed together we've played well i know he beat me when we were up there last, but like when we played as our scramble stuff, like, yeah, I would take him against anybody pretty comfortably. Well, Trevor, Brian and I have been talking we have a good challenge for you and that's you versus the three of us. So we got your, we're bad. We're bad. Yeah. We, we're going to take any of the three of our balls and, uh, in a scramble style versus you. So don't worry. I'll, I'll probably be the one who's criticized about it. (laughs) You'll take take the heat. Like I did it with, um, Again, I did like a, a short par four video with three juniors and some clowns like, oh, yeah, this guy, he can't break 80 in <laughs> tournaments anymore. So he's just beating kids. And you're like, ah, it's so bad. Uh, exactly. Yes. I, I, I going to sleep so well tonight because in a thing that doesn't matter where I'm giving something away to a kid, I beat him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, the but, publicity alone, like you said, for those kids getting into college, I mean, that's huge for them. And I, I, I just wonder, too, like what you'd see uh, compared to your experience growing up and these juniors today. I mean, these junior kids are crazy. Do you think the level of golf is that much higher now compared to when you were their yeah, age? Yeah, 100%. Like golf like just in general. Like I even think of professional golf now versus when I turned pro. Like it's gotten so good. And you know, as a, as a byproduct, obviously junior golf so much better and amateur golf so much better. Why? I really don't know why. Like, obviously you can say technology and this and that, but I think there's a lot to do with like the psychology of it. it when, you know, like I was growing up, par was a great score. It's not anymore in junior golf or an amateur golf kind of thing. So it's just like, it's the curve is moving. So if you're growing up, if you're getting into tournament golf and, and three under is a great score, that's your benchmark right so you kind of work towards that so it's like then when you turn pro if and when you turn pro that's your comfort zone so it's just a matter of comfort zone basically but all that being said playing golf with a lot of these juniors you can see just how how like there's so much they have to learn about the game and i remember that when i was an amateur and we had there was a guy graham cook who uh like designed golf courses he's from like montreal area he'd be in his sixties and he'd be like hanging in every Quebec amateur, everything. And you're like, he's just figured out the game. And as you get older and as if you have a life in competitive golf, Bernhard longer, right? Like Mm, he's just figured it out, right? Like there's just, as you get older, you just understand the game so differently. And there's things that you see junior golfers don't have yet. And even like when we were filming at Palatka the other day, we had a very simple, tiny, tiny green, super, super slow, very grainy, you know, and I'm hitting a chip with a nine iron, a pitching wedge, they're all, everything's lob wedge. And if it's like, it's slightly mishit, it's 20 feet short. Right. Or if it spins, if it's slightly hit too well and it spins, it, you know what I mean? Like there's just, there's certain things and I don't know if it's coaching or if it's, if it's whatever, there's just, 
an understanding of the game, where to hit it, where to miss it. But that's just experience. Experience teaches you those things. And if you're like a student of the game, basically. But I will say, I think like from my under, from my experience, a lot of these kids, they, they have a good level of respect for the game, which I like to see because I would have thought the opposite. I would have thought as like the world progresses and we get <laughs> as a as a as a human beings, we get worse and worse. You would think there'd be less respect for the game. Um, but it seems like they, they still have that respect for the game. And that's that's all like obviously awesome to see. There's hope still. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Andrew, thanks for coming on. Where can our listeners find all your YouTube videos? It's just my name, just Andrew Jensen. It'll be the first thing that pops up if you type that into YouTube. Okay. And they're going to keep an eye out for some of your, your yeah. upcoming content. We really appreciate you coming on the show. Share no, some thanks great so much stories, for having me, guys. Great knowledge. Yeah, we, we love it. Appreciate it. You just listen for free. Now here's the deal. Go to our website at birdiedads.com and join us. You will get our golf starters guide and our golf coloring book for kids free right now by signing up. It just takes an email. Thanks for hanging out with us and we'll see you next time.